This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to Instant Genius, a bite-sized masterclass in podcast form. Each week, you'll hear world-leading experts talking about the most fascinating ideas in science and technology today. I'm Thomas Ling, staff writer at BBC Science Focus magazine, and in this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Christian Jarrett. He's a cognitive neuroscientist and author of new book, Be Who You Want. And he's here today to unpack the science of personality change. Hi, Christian. Welcome to Instant Genius. Hi, thanks for having me. Brilliant. So I guess first and biggest question should be, what actually is personality? So personality is your habits of thought, feelings and behavior and ways of relating to the world and other people. And one way to think about it is it's how you behave without effort, without thinking about it. So if a, if a strong extrovert walks into a crowded room full of people, they don't have to say to themselves, oh, gee, I'm at a party, you know, I better start being chatty. You know, it's just something they do by nature because that is their personality. And sort of what are the sort of the biggest components of someone's personality? So in modern personality science, it's all about the so-called big five traits that's what psychologists have really whittled it all down to because obviously there's so many different traits and characteristics with which we can describe ourselves and they've removed all the redundancy and overlap and, and what have you and they say there are these five main traits one of them is openness to experience which is how receptive you are to doing new things uh, to different perspectives and arguments uh, if you 
if you love opera and foreign language films, <laughs> you're probably a high scorer on this trait. Um, it's also related to like aesthetic sensitivity. So if you kind of get goosebumps when you're listening to music or something, you're probably a high scorer. There is conscientiousness, which is how self-disciplined, industrious, ambitious, and organized you are. There's extroversion, introversion, which is very similar to how we talk about these things in, in everyday life, but there are a few differences. So extroversion, as well as being about how sociable and chatty you are and what have you, it's also, it's kind of how active and energetic you are and how much you're driven and, uh, to, um, and pulled towards reward and excitement and stimulation. Uh, there is agreeableness, which is how warm and friendly you are, uh, but it's also um, how trusting you are of other people. And if you're a high scorer in, in agreeableness, you know, you tend to see the best in others uh, as well. And then there is uh, neuroticism, which also known as emotional instability, or another way of looking at it is uh, if you're a high scorer in neuroticism, you're, you know, you're not very emotionally resilient. You're emotionally fragile and up and down. You're, you're more prone to negative emotions like shame and guilt. And actually, uh, you know, over the course of your life, if you're a high scorer, you'll be more likely to receive a diagnosis of a, a mental health disorder. So that, so those are the, the big five. I, I should probably add that some psychologists believe that does not cover the full spectrum of personality. They think we also need the, the so-called dark triad, which um, you might have heard of, which is your narcissism, psychopathy and Machiavellianism. So there's those three on the side as well. You were talking about these big five traits. Uh, how much do they predict your success and happiness? They are very, very powerfully predictive. So, for example, they predict things like longevity, career success, health, your chances of divorce, uh, if, if you get married, and, and so on, as much as or more than other factors that you might think are particularly important factors, such as, let's say, um, intelligence, your socio-demographic background, uh, and that kind of thing, your educational background. So they are very they're surprisingly robust predictors of these things. And um, yeah, the different, each of the five traits has different associations with outcomes in life. So these are all dimensions, I should say, these these five traits. So, you know, they're tri trait dimensions. So we all score on them somewhere. And the introvert-extrovert dimension is a separate dimension from the neuroticism and emotional stability dimension. And I guess the... If you're a low scorer in neuroticism, you're, you'll have less negative emotions. And then on the other dimension, to have more positive emotions and more happiness, then we're talking about extroversion. So high scorers in extroversion will tend to enjoy more positive emotion in life, more happiness. I should say extroversion is quite an interesting one in, in terms of uh, outlook for like longevity and health, because... At the extremes, extroverts are also drawn to uh, overindulgence in drugs and alcohol. So, yeah, overall, uh, there's an advantage to being a strong extrovert for your health and longevity because of the because you will tend to enjoy more positive emotion. But with the caveat, that's if you don't end up being one of the people who, you know, um, ends up drawn towards addiction and excessive 
risk risk taking. How does your personality sort of influence your biology? Well, there there are all sorts of fascinating links between our underlying physiology and, and the different traits. So, and the the causal direction is seems to go both ways. Uh, so, for example, high scorers in neuroticism will tend to have more unhealthy bad bacteria in their gut gut microbacteria low scorers and conscientiousness will tend to have more signs of chronic inflammation even at the level of the myelination of our brain cells which is the the insulation that speeds up conductance along our brain cells uh, people who score lower in neuroticism and higher in conscientiousness they'll tend to have more of this myelination in, in their brains so you get these yeah kind of deep connections between physiology and personality traits and that and that plays out as well with like health behaviors so for example you know a high score of conscientiousness will tend to engage in more health healthy behaviors they'll exercise more eat more healthily avoid overindulgence and of course so then you can see how you get these kind of unfolding dynamics as well through life that, that then interact with physiology and so yeah i i mean one of the simplest things you can do if you you know to develop and enhance benefit your personality is actually to care for your body uh, so you know take up exercise eat well sleep well it won't only benefit you physically it will uh, the research suggests it will benefit your personality traits as well um where would be a good place you could send people to go if they wanted to find out how they lie on these big five traits Oh, I mean, there are just tons of sites on online. Uh, the main thing is to, I would encourage listeners to take a test that's based on the big five rather than using one of the sort of trendier ones like the Myers-Briggs, basically. Yeah, but they're, they're, I, I, I don't have a URL uh, in my head, but there, there, there are quite a few free, free sites that actually let you take these tests. Uh, I guess a big question in personality is uh, how much of your personality is genetic and how much of it is sort of upbringing? Yeah, so um, roughly 50% of the variation, as with a lot of things uh, in psychology, uh, the variation between people is down to genetic differences. And, and then the rest is um, more to do with experiences in life and upbringing uh, and what have you. So there's there's a very strong, significant genetic component. One way of looking at that I like to think of is uh, thinking of those inherited personality dispositions as your kind of maybe your like your factory settings on your phone. Um, that doesn't mean they can't be changed because you've got that other 50%. So there's a fair amount of, you know, well, there's a lot of leeway for shaping your traits as well as going with those sort of set factory settings, if you like. So does it get um, harder to change your personality with age? Um, you you tend to find so personality tends to grow in stability through life, but that's not because of a lack of ability to change. That's more to do with the fact that the older we get, uh, we are we tend to get more stuck into grooves of routine and lifestyle, and so if all around you is fixed. Um, that will stabilize your personality more. Whereas, of course, earlier in life, uh, you know, in adolescence and in your 20s and what have you, there's a lot more change going on around you. And of course, that so those sculpting forces are more active. 
So it's not for the fact that it, it's not that we're not capable of change later in life. Is that we is that we tend to bed down into these routine routinized lifestyles. Um, how much of your personality is sort of formed by the environment that you're in? Yeah, so uh, a, a lot. So I, uh, something to be cautious of here is it, it, in the debates in psychology about personality, people have tend to go from one extreme to the other. So you'll have, because of the role that situations play, especially so-called strong situations, because of the, the way they can influence our personality traits, especially over time, so off the top of my head, something like prison, if someone has a spell in prison, there's a lot of research suggesting that can shape their personality often in harm, in harmful ways. These situational influences have led in the past to some psychologists saying, you know, personality itself is a myth, you know, because we're just at the mercy of the situation we find ourselves in. And that's unhelpful because, yes, situations do, we are shaped by situations especially strong repeating situations but nonetheless personality remains uh, a very meaningful concept you know as I was discussing it has these robust associations with future outcomes so it's trying to understand that dynamic between personality and situation and that it's it's a bit of both you know it's kind of both in this kind of dynamic interplay so there's a thread of continuity through our lives there is this relative stability, but there is also the capacity for change and change does occur. And yeah, as you say, one one shaping force is situations we're in, whether that's the roles we take on in life, like the jobs that we have, career paths, who we live with, you know, who our friends are and, and major life experiences as well. So now we kind of know what personality is. How do you change it? Like, um, what are the most effective ways to change your personality? If you want to intentionally change your personality, uh, the best way to go about it is to choose approaches and techniques to change yourself from the inside out, so to speak, and to then <clears throat> back that up by finding ways to change yourself from the outside in. <laughs> so you've got a kind of double whammy strategy. Yeah, if I give you an example of uh, of what I mean with one of the traits. Um, so take something like if you wanted uh, to be more extroverted, you could, for example, you could practice a technique like the, it's called the best possible self intervention, uh, which is a kind of a visualization technique where you imagine yourself several years in the future where you've achieved everything you wanted, everything's gone well as you as you planned and so on. And this technique has been shown if it's rehearsed often enough to increase people's optimism. And if, if you were to do that, and you were persistent about it, that's going to help change you from the inside out. Uh, extroverts tend to be more optimistic. You know, it's one of the reasons they're more willing to, you know, they're more active and go in pursuit of reward, because they expect to find reward. That's just what I mean, that's just that's not going to transform you just doing that one thing. That's but that that's an example of a kind of a technique you could use. And then to change yourself from the outside in, I would suggest, and you need to, you, you will need to build up to this gradually. So you, you've got to do this in a kind of hierarchy. Uh, you don't want to, you know, freak yourself out with something overly ambitious early on. But it, let's say you let's say you've uh, let's say you've built you've built up steadily with some behavioural changes in your life, 
then you could look to do something like, let's say, join something like Toastmasters, which is a group. It's an international group that, uh, uh, and you meet up once or twice a week and the members, uh, they take turns uh, presenting to each other, you know, like doing little speeches together. It's very, you know, uh, people who are members, they will say, you know, the friendships they form are incredible, you know, doing these activities together. Or even something like an improvisation group, you know, which might sound incredibly daunting and scary to a strong introvert. Again, by throwing yourself into these kind of situations, um, you're going to be sculpted from the outside in. You know, you're going to make more friends. Uh, the routine of it w- will pull you into doing more, behaving more like an extrovert. And you're going to gradually re- recalibrate, you know, because part of being a strong in- introvert is that you're very sensitive to stimulation. You're very, it can, it can feel overwhelming socializing and, and what have you. But by uh, building these new habits and these new lifestyles, um, you kind of, re- you know, we, we know that our brains are very, very adaptable. We learn all the time and you, you will kind of recalibrate. So that's just one, yeah, just one example with extroversion of that kind of inside out and outside in approach. Does that kind of approach apply to if you want to change other sort of traits about your personality? So I'm thinking if someone wants to increase their agreeability? Yeah, but with any of the traits, you can kind of take this approach. So with agreeability, the kind of inside out approach might be something like reading more literary fiction. So several studies have shown reading more quality fiction uh, boosts our empathy or theory of mind, our ability to take other people's perspective. So if if you were to again, make a habit out of doing that, you, you, you might find that you boost your ability to take other people's perspective, which is going to help you, you know, be more agreeable. And then from the outside in, you could practice something called the uh, situation selection strategy, which sounds kind of re- really obvious in a way, but it's, the fact is a lot of the time, many of us are not very intentional about kind of like let's say a weekend's coming up, we're not very intentional about how we spend our time. We'll often just do things out of habit or, you know, because we did it, it's just what we do on a Saturday afternoon. You know, we tend to go and see a certain friend or whatever. We don't think about well, how how does it make us feel doing that activity or seeing that person. So the situation selection strategy is being more intentional and mindful about doing things that make you feel happier, make you feel more positive emotion and avoiding stress and conflict. And that's where this ties in with agreeability. Um, so, I mean, I used to spend in the earlier days of Twitter, you know, I would, for example, you know, I find myself drawn into kind of Twitter spats and arguments and, you know, you can feel that you know, your hackles go up, makes you grumpier. <laughs> uh, you, you end up interacting with people who aren't very nice and that makes you feel less agreeable and so on. So if you just be more intentional about, you know, I realize I woke up to the reality of that. Like, why am I spending my time doing this? Like, why am I doing it? I, I'd fall into the habit. So addressing those kind of lifestyle habits and putting yourself in situations where you're happier, you're with people you like, and, you know, you see better side of humankind, that's going to help boost your agreeability. With all these things, it has, you know, you, you've got to persist. It's not enough to dabble in these things. You know, you've really got, if this is going to be meaningful, deep change, which is what we're talking about here when it comes to personality you know, you have got to persist and you've got to be willing to mix things up and make changes in your life and what you do 
if you just have aspirations to change your personality, but you don't back it up with specific plans for what you're actually going to do differently in, in life, then it actually research suggests that's going to backfire. So you've got to be willing to start doing things differently. But does that um, take quite a lot of willpower? Because I think as most people know, humans aren't that great at willpower. So how can you kind of keep that motivation going? Yeah, well, that's true. And that's, I, th- I think one of, you know, the important messages in, in my book is that you're more likely to succeed at personality change if it's in the service of some overarching goal or value or, or, or multiple goals and values rather than just as an end in itself. So exactly. I mean, if you just, I don't know, just like just fancy being a bit more extroverted just for the sake of it, uh, you know, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, maybe you have a friend who you, you, you'd like to be more like them and they're more of an extrovert. Yeah, I think you're unlikely to succeed. You're much more likely to succeed if you have a kind of a driving passion that you feel being more extroverted would help you to achieve. So I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're an entrepreneur, you know, and you, you've got a new product or business, you know, that you're, you, you want to promote and it means a lot to you you're, and you're passionate about it, but you're held back because you're, you're uncomfortable networking or you're uncomfortable even, you know, maybe picking up the phone and speaking to, you know, business contacts or whatever it might be. I would say you're much more likely to succeed at boosting your extroversion if you've got that driving reason that driving passion to propel you and also you know think about the social roles you take on in life you know um, it is going to be hard to find all the motivation from inside you to make positive changes but if you if you can find a role uh, you know like a, a the most obvious is an occupational role but it doesn't have to be it could be a you know a family role or a, a role in the community that demands certain things of you, that it demands of you, that you act in a more conscientious way, let's say. Obviously, that's going to, and, and you find it rewarding and enjoyable, and you believe in it, you know, you believe in the value of what you're doing. That's obviously going to be a lot easier than you having to find the motivation inside yourself all the time. If you want to change your personality, be it becoming more extroverted or more agreeable, uh, what should you not do? What what are like the biggest pitfalls which you can easily trip into? Um, well, the the biggest pitfall probably is just uh, wishing for change and not doing anything about it. <laughs> um, not persisting, thinking it's going to be easy. Yeah, that it's going to be a quick fix. It won't be like if you. The more ambitious your goals for change are, I would unfortunately, you know, the harder it will be. So it. it it pays to be realistic about how much you're willing to mix things up to disrupt your old life, if, if, if you want to put it that way. How much discomfort are you willing to endure to succeed? Now, I mean, on the positive side, that discomfort won't last. You know, you will get through it, but in the early stages, it's going, there's going to be that period if you're making significant changes to yourself in your personality in the early stages it's going to be uncomfortable because it won't be a part of your personality yet it won't be habitual you're going to be adjusting another pitfall is to not is to sort of not monitor your progress you know to to just start i don't know whether it's taking some of the techniques and exercises in my book or whatever it might be you know the making these um taking these steps and then just hoping for the best is a bad idea because 
it, it, it's something we're, we're all in, inclined to do. Uh, psychologists call it the ostrich phenomenon. It happens in all different walks of life. You know, we tend to stick our heads in the sand and just hope all, all will go well. But it's very important to kind of track your progress, really, if you're going to take this seriously. And if for no other reason that, you know, it's not guaranteed that the steps and interventions you take, it's not guaranteed they're going to be helpful. They might not work. The things you try at first might not be helpful for you. They might not work out. They might backfire. And you you might find making changes to one part of your personality has knock-on consequences in a harmful way for another part of your personality. So it is worth you know, keeping an eye, you know, monitoring what's going on. Just for example, you know, if, you, if you're trying to increase your conscientiousness, if you end up getting kind of a bit obsessive and perfectionistic about it, you know, you might find you start getting more, experiencing more anxiety and becoming more prone to worry and that, that could spiral. And then, you know, now we're talking about increasing trait neuroticism. So obviously we're complex creatures. So, you know, tread carefully, monitor how things are going. And uh, hopefully, yeah, with enough persistence and care, you can, you can succeed at the changes you're hoping for. Finally, um, if someone wants to become an instant genius in the topic of personality and personality change, what would be the most in- three important things you can tell them? Um, I would say knowing about the big five traits and and or possibly the, the the dark triad as well and understanding the the sort of strengths and weaknesses and pros and cons of the different traits yeah understanding that personality is meaningful it gets beneath the skin as well but it has these biological correlates as well so it's not just a woolly abstract concept it has a meaningful relation to life outcomes and then finally, the, the third thing, and I would say this because of my book, understanding that just because it's relatively stable, it's not fixed. And it, life will change you in various ways, but you can also choose to change. Thank you for listening to this episode of Instant Genius, where I was speaking to Dr. Christian Jarrett. If you want to know more about personality, check out his book, Be Who You Want, Unlocking the Science of Personality Change. Or to hear him talk more about personality and neuroscience, head over to the Instant Genius Extra podcast. The July issue of BBC Science Focus magazine is out now. Pick up a copy in store or visit sciencefocus.com.